Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of January 14th through the 16th, plus MLK holiday on the 17th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. If you're here in the States and had Martin Luther King Day off, uh, which is why this podcast is a day later than usual since uh, we were waiting on final long weekend numbers, uh, hope that you enjoyed that day off. I actually had my 30th birthday this past weekend, so huzzah, one year older. Uh, in any case, though, let's hop straight into the box office numbers for this weekend, shall we? Now, with, as with all holiday weekends, I'll be reporting on the three-day numbers, but we'll also talk about the Monday numbers for a cumulative total of the film thus far. So, in first place, we had the first new release since Spider-Man No Way Home to take the top spot at the box office. The fifth Scream movie from Paramount opened in 3,664 theaters to about $30 million over the three-day weekend for an 8,193 per theater average. After Monday, it now sits at $33.8 million domestic, with another $17.9 million abroad, putting it at about $51.8 million globally. Against the forecast from box office pros, it was about 28.8 for three days and 33. For four days, so pretty spot on. Now, some were a little bit more optimistic based off of Thursday numbers uh, to forecast 50 million domestic, but still not a bad total for a film with a 24 million production budget. Already has made that back and then some. Some fun stats on the Scream franchise as a whole. Uh, the first one uh, had a budget of $15 million and opened it to $6 million in 1996, went on to make $103 million domestic and $173 million globally. Uh, Scream 2 in 97 had a budget of $24 million, like this recent one, and opened to $32 million opening weekend, made $102 domestic and $172 million globally. So about $170 seems to be the global ceiling here, as Scream 3 and Scream 4 had budgets of $40 million, and while the third one made $89 million domestic and 161 million globally in 2000, Scream 4 in 2011 made only 38 million domestic and 95 million global. Now, multipliers for the franchise range from 2.04 with Scream 4 to a massive 10.29 from Scream 1, so that's a pretty wide range. Um, I think going with the 83% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, the 3.08x multiplier of Scream 2 is a good comparable and has the same budget. Um, so, you know, though as a horror film, it might be a little bit high in modern ages. Um, that said, if it just did a 3.08x multiply, that'd be about $90 million or so domestically, so pretty solid performance overall with that low budget. Now, the 80% attendance of under 34-year-olds definitely helped here, given the strength of that commu- dem- demographic in the return to movie theaters, and as always with horror films, the Hispanic community came out to support with 36% attendance. In second place, Spider-Man No Way Home continues its dominance with $20 million in 3,925 theaters with a per theater average of 5,120 and a 38% week-over-week drop. Uh, This puts its five-week domestic total to $698 million as of Sunday, $702 million as of Monday. With another $926 million abroad, the worldwide total now sits at $1.628 billion. Uh, That $702 million domestic puts it past Black Panther for the number four all-time domestic leaderboard, the next benchmark to beat being Avatar's $760 million. Uh, has not yet quite pushed back past the Lion King's uh, worldwide $1.654 billion uh, at number seven on the worldwide chart.
Uh, third place goes to Sing 2, $7.9 million with 3,581 theaters, 31% drop to a 2230 per theater average. Uh, the measure total is $119 million through Sunday, $121 million through Monday, with $96 million abroad, putting it at $218 million to date worldwide. Um, that's actually a pretty solid hold given that Sing 2 is actually available on POV now as well. Fourth place went to that spy film, uh, the 355, which, as predicted, dropped off pretty hard. 51% drop uh, to $2.2 million in 3,145 theaters, per theater average of 724, and a running total of $8.3 million domestic through Sunday. Now, I couldn't even make it couldn't even make it to nine million dollars by Monday with a one point three million abroad putting it at ten million. Would not be surprised to see this lose over a thousand theaters next week. And then when rounding out the top five, we had 20th Century's The Kingsman, the prequel to the Kingsman series, uh, with 31% drop to $2.2 million in 2,510 theaters for a domestic total of $28.5 million through Sunday, $29 million through Monday, $63.8 million abroad, putting at $92.8 million worldwide. Basically, probably going to make back its $100 million production budget without any of those marketing costs. Now, if you remember a few months ago, there was a deal between 20th Century, owned by Disney, and Warner Media for Fox's films to air on HBO Max, which runs through this year. Uh, The deal, I believe, is a sale distribution of about half the films uh, releasing through this year, either appearing on Disney Plus or Hulu, as well as on HBO Max, and the other half being HBO Max only. So far, it looks like the HBO Max films under the deal are The Night House, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, The Last Duel, and Horror Film Antlers, which is coming February 11th. Meanwhile, The Kingsman will be joining the films coming to HBO Max as well as on uh, as well as on Hulu and Disney Plus, uh, coming to streaming February 18th. The other films under this arrangement so far are Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley coming to Hulu on February 1st, while Free Guy will be on Disney Plus February 23rd. Ron's Gone Wrong is already on Disney Plus. Meanwhile, we don't yet know where the French Dispatch or West Side Story will end up. Now, outside of the top five, there's a couple of noteworthy stories here. Uh, Bell is the newest anime film from director Mamoru Hosoda that was number three film in Japan all of last year, opened in about 1,300 theaters, distributed by G-Kids, and made about $1.6 million over three days, closer to $2 million over the four days. This is Hosoda's biggest opening in the U.S. yet, though admittedly the last few did not open in more than 200 theaters, with Mirai most recently opening in only 20. Also, admittedly, it's not the biggest anime film opening ever out there, um, and, you know, is I think kind of... And I was hoping it would be in a better position for the Oscars, but it seems to be on the cusp of getting ignored there. Um, you know, I actually ended up seeing this one on Monday um, after I found a theater that was not too packed. Um, I'll give some high-level thoughts at the end of the episode, though I may go more in-depth on my other podcast, yet another anime podcast. Again, Bell is helped with 83% attendance being under 34 years old and also over-indexed with Asian Americans at 30% of the audience. Now, aside from Bell, uh, we're starting to see underperforming films set theaters. West Side Story lost 830 theaters down to 1460. Per theater average is currently 636 in week six. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife lost 1,150 theaters down to 1725 in week four. Per theater average of 466. House of Gucci actually gained theaters, uh, 700 of them, uh, back up to 1307 total. And Venom Let There Be Carnage also came back with another $400,000 this week in 1435 theaters after being off of release schedule for a few weeks now. Um, a Journal for Jordan lost 1,185 
Steelers down to only 665 with Perthier the average of 256. And then, in, meanwhile, in the art house circuit, uh, Parallel Mothers from Spain gained 31 theaters up to 49. Drive My Car from Japan, 36 theaters gained up to 65. And then King Richard actually regained 172 theaters up to 227, I think based off some of the awards buzz King Richard is getting. Also, there was a limited documentary release of Who We Are, A Chronicle of Racism in America, appropriate for Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, um, that opened in four theaters to $21,578, per theater average of $5,395, the second highest this weekend behind Scream. Um, and we are still at this time waiting to see how Fathom Events tribute to Betty White from the 17th did uh, with, 15, with 15 to 29 locations total. Overall, the total three-day box office total was $71.5 million for the weekend. Shouldn't be much better next weekend uh, with you know the only wide releases being a film from 2014 getting a long overdue release, The King's Daughter from Gravitas Ventures, and a cowboy romance from Universal called Redeeming Love. Uh, perhaps to deal with this lack of films coming out, IMAX is actually going to be bringing back no... T- no, sorry. IMAX is going to be bringing back No Time to Die to, the- to theaters this coming weekend as well. Moving to international numbers, uh, we have some No Way Home uh, landmarks in specific countries. Mexico, it is now the highest grossing film of all time and has moved into the number two all time in Brazil, Central America, and Ecuador, and I believe the number three all time in Malaysia and Indonesia. Uh, meanwhile, in Japan, it dropped 55% in its second weekend, pretty steep, uh, for a country total thus far of 2.5 billion yen, or about 22.9 million US dollars. In comparison, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero um, now sits at 78 million US dollars or about 8.5 billion yen. Definitely going looking to be the highest grossing film in Japan thus far so early in the year. Moving over to China, we've had two Hollywood releases this past weekend. Uh, first up, we had The Matrix Resurrections opening the 7.5 million US dollars. This is the biggest opening of the franchise in China, though, again, admittedly, the first three films came out before China's massive expansion of all of the theaters post-Avatar. Um, this one is is the first uh, Hollywood film to open at number one in China since No Time to Die last October, um, though that is not necessarily a big success, it seems, on paper. Um First off, you know, obviously, uh, China has kind of been struggling with getting new films out there recently. Um, and on Maoyan, it currently has a 7.5 out of 10, which is pretty low for the platform. Over on Duban, which is a little bit more harsh, it currently has a 5.7, while the other three films in the franchise are in the 9.1, 8.6, 8.8 range. Um, overall, I think it'll probably lag out, according to Maoyan, to 15 million US dollars. Um, but, and, you know, being on streaming three weeks in advance did not help with the piracy situation. But, you know, despite opening another Number one, this is not definitely great news for Matrix overall. Um, Still no date, by the way, for No Way Home at this point. Uh, the other Hollywood release this weekend was Paw Patrol coming in at number five, 3.6 million over its first three days. Uh, Encanto dropped down to number nine, making only 1.8 million US dollars to sum up for to 6.5 million in the region. Uh, we also got a release date for No Time for Death on the Nile uh, from 20th Century for February 12th, which is the only Hollywood film currently on the release schedule in China. Um, the other three films this weekend in the top five were all local films. Embrace Again made 6.8 million in number two uh currently sits at 127 million us dollars to date crime thriller g storm 4.2 million this weekend adding adding to an 85 million dollar total and then comedy another me made 4.1 million to add to its 59.2 million total thus far 
Now, the reason that there aren't a lot of, you know, Hollywood films coming out in the next couple of weeks uh, is because, you know, they don't really want to release right before uh, the Lunar New Year holiday, which is coming out. on uh, February uh, February 1st. Um, And then after that, there was also the Beijing Winter Olympics going from the 4th to the 20th, which will definitely take up a lot of uh, the nation's attention as well. Um, And things, you know, also aren't super great over there in general with Omicron. Uh, It's surging in 14 provinces, including Beijing and Shanghai. High-risk areas have their theaters shut down and all others are only at 75% capacity. Now, speaking of the Lunar New Year, we do have some uh, idea of the films that will be coming out then. Um, it looks like there are four films set to be the, kind of like the main contenders here. Uh, first up, we have Sniper, which is a film by House of Flying Daggers director Zhang Yimou and his daughter Zhang Mo. Uh, this is playing in the patriotic themes and anti-U.S. aggression and aid to Korea. Um, you know, in milita- another military story. Uh, we also have Nice View, which is a film by director Wen Muye, who is most known for the 2019 patriotic film My People, My Country. Made a ton of money in the box office. Uh, this one is about quote-unquote ordinary people's pursuit of happiness in the form of a family drama. Uh, we have one called Only Fools Rush In. It looks to be an action comedy romance directed by Han Han, a young blogger and author turned director. Um, but the big dog to beat will likely be The Battle of Lake Changjin Part 2. That's right, China's largest film of the year and number two film of 2021 globally has a sequel already lined up. It looks like they filmed the two films back-to-back instead of one massive six or seven-hour film. They turned it into two three-hour films. Um, the subtitle translation seems to be Battle of Lake Changjin, Water... Great Brids, um, which is about another anti-U.S. maneuver during the Korean War. So yeah, this one's looking to be the one to beat uh, for Lunar New Year weekend, but obviously we'll keep track of that. Anyways, beyond the numbers, there are a couple of headlines to go over. Uh, first, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, is apparently set to resume a shooting this week, including... Uh, actress Letitia White. Um, apparently, her issue of being vaccinated or not vaccinated or whatever has been uh, quote-unquote resolved um, with no impact on the release date later this year anticipated. Whether that means Wright uh, is vaccinated or whether she'll be appearing in future MCU projects uh, remains to be seen. Uh, over on the other superhero franchise, DC's upcoming Batman film has officially been rated as PG-13 as opposed to R due to potential dark and gritty tone. Um, but you know, as far as box office goes, this definitely will this PG-13 rating will definitely help it get the widest audience possible. Um, also related to the Batman, Robert Pattinson um, apparently is going to be working with Bong Joon Ho uh, at the for, with, for an upcoming uh, science fiction film um, from Warner Brothers. That definitely looks interesting uh, down the line. Now, while we don't usually cover total ticket movie numbers uh, sold in the U.S. and Canada, since that's not the convention of the box office reporting industry, I did see some numbers floating around uh, over on the box office subreddit that I thought were worth sharing regarding total ticket sales sold domestically year over year, going back all the way to 2001. Now, the peak seems to be 20, 2002, with about 1.57 billion tickets total, sold total, uh, with the odds, you know, 2000 to 20, 2009, being, you know, about 1.4 billion or so for the most part before dipping down to 1.3, 1.2 billion in the 2010s. Um, then 2020 hits and obviously it drops down to only 223 million tickets sold um, and then about double that of about 498 million sold in 2021. That tracks with total revenue in 2021 doubling that of 2020 and with this year set to double 2021, we should see about 1 billion tickets sold again hopefully. Not quite up to the 1.2 billion range that was pre-pandemic but hopefully enough for a solid recovery. 
Now, of course, part of the, that is the rise of streaming um, impacting all of people wanting to go to the movie theater. Um, and though inflation is hitting everywhere, it's not just movie theaters. Uh, Netflix just announced they will be raising monthly subscription fees by about $1 to $2 depending on your plan. Uh, for my basic one screen plan, I think it's going from $9 to $10. Anyway, before we wrap up this you know, pretty short episode, uh, let's go over what I've been watching. Um, as I noted, I saw Bill in theaters. Quick, I'll talk about those in a little bit, but I also want to mention I did see uh, the 2016 film featuring Ben Affleck called The Accountant uh, for an appearance over on the Kicking It with Kendrick podcast. Um, you know, so, And I also saw Tragedy of Macbeth for my own Oscars Death Race podcast. So you can hear my thoughts on those podcasts and more um, in-depth thoughts for Bell on my yet another anime podcast later in February. That said, high level thoughts for Bell. Generally liked it. You know, um, you know, Mama Hosoda's films are arguably, you know, um, you know, always very good looking and this is arguably his best looking film to date both in the digital segments you know of the social media world as well as the real world segments I think that's really something that sends Hosoda apart from all other directors he really has a, a unique vision when it comes to dis- uh, displaying the digital world um not not surprised coming from the director who you know was in charge of the Digimon movie at one point. Um, you know, I think it honestly might be one of the best and most realistic uh, and frankly global depictions of how social media works and its effects on people and relationships and internet life that I've ever really seen. Now, plot and story wise, I mean, you know, I somehow completely forgotten that you know, this was billed as his take on uh, the fable of Beauty and the Beast, and you know, it definitely shows through here. Now, I will say overall, it's a little bit slapdash in its construction. Has a lot of different plot threads that I don't think always come together in the most cohesive of manners. Um, you know, uh, you know, there are some blink and you miss it background details that come back into play later in the future, which you know I think is pretty nice and pretty fun to see happen. But you know, I definitely think it could have used a little bit of a tightening up of the screenplay. Um, you know, still, you know, as a visual spectacle, Hosoda never disappoints. And at the end of the day, you know. It plays into all of his reoccurring themes throughout all of his films of human relationships and interconnectedness, um, which is always sweet to see. A lot of great emotion behind the film. Overall, you know, not a perfect film, but I'll give it a four out of five. Uh, and with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. You can tweet me ideas for riddles I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find us so on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon.com, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that in the show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com, intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod, his stuff is at incompetent.filmmusic.io, edited and production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. Remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.